with Lisa. I'm excited to be with you all tonight. We have a returning guest. Um, actually, not too long ago, she was a newbie to the show, but now she is a regular to the show. Um, we always love to bring people back who actually have empowered you all. Um, she has a great book that she released, and we're actually going to do a deeper dive into her book with this show. And this is kind of like our first virtual. I know we've done some book launches and things on the show, but this is going to be like a first virtual book reading. We're actually going to do some reading. Um, she has some wonderful guests that are joining her. So we're going to really get into it. But before we get started, I just wanted to um, actually just say hello to you all because we haven't been live in, in a minute. Um, so I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. I also want to say happy birthday to all the birthday people out there. It's not April and Taurus season, but okay, happy birthday to y'all. I'm just saying. Um, and I want to say happy anniversary to all the lovebirds out there. Um, I hope you had a wonderful time celebrating your love for each other. Um, I also wanted to remind you all that DSM Media is um, who actually is behind the scenes handling uh, Luncheon with Lisa. And we've also done other shows online and we do all kinds of things. We do social media graphics. Um, we actually do the background production. So everything you see moving around is DSM Media behind the scenes. Thank you so much, Shariba. Um, commercials. We do everything that you could think of that you need for a virtual show. Um, and we also do social media posting. So if you have a business and you don't have the time to do your postings and things like that, we handle stuff like that too. So please feel free to reach out to us. We have a Facebook page. So check. We love what we do. So what's up? Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing something, Shariva, but I did want to, and we're going to say this again at the end of the show. Um, right. If you want to be a sponsor of Luncheon with Lisa, please email us. You can be a sponsor of a show. You can be a sponsor for the month. You can be a sponsor for the year, but hit us up and we'll be happy to tell you how we can make that happen. We're going to actually talk about an event we have coming up this month and not too long from now. So it's called Hidden Treasure Awards. We're going to give you more information about that um, once we get to the end of the show, because right now we want to get right into our guests. We might not have time for commercials today because we're going to get into this conversation and y'all not going to want to break. Um, so I want to introduce you again to Donna Marshall, who is the wonderful, wonderful author of her new book, and I told y'all about this before, so y'all should have y'all books in hand. That's all I'm saying. Um, but Constance, a force to be reckoned with. If this is truly a book to be reckoned with. And you're going to see why when we start talking about this. If you all missed the first show, and then we actually did a repeat on Donna's show, um, you all should know by now that this is going to be a powerful conversation. So I'm ready for the deep dive. So Donna, first yeah. of all, Tell us who we have with us this time around. Well, you know, they always say that when um, when you come together, bring your posse with you. 
<laughs> so <laughs> I have my cousin, uh, Mickey, her name is Mikhail, and um, she's in Texas and she's done so much research for the family. And it was uh, Mickey's interest in, in our family and hooking up with my mom before she passed away and getting all the information that that's how I met her. Mickey and I didn't grow up together at all. I met her when she was a grown a woman, you know? <laughs> and my other cousin, Deborah, I wish I could show our baby pictures together. We grew up together. <laughs> oh yeah, we should have done that. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we, we grew up together and, and Deborah actually, it had, her name is Veronica, but we call her Deborah. But Deborah grew up in my grandmother's home. So it was her mom, her dad, and my grandmother. And of course she was little, but most of the pictures of the both of us are at my grandmother's home, either celebrating our birthdays or Deborah putting me in a headlock, which she did often. You have to. <laughs> so even though I'm the it oldest between the two of us. A strong hug. <laughs> I like that. I like that. And we've been uh, close ever since. So. so wonderful. So as you all can see, we kind of have a family affair going on here, yes. which we talked about this before we went live is kind of exciting because rarely do we get to have a discussion about a book and then your family, this is about your family, but to have a family actually kind of support and they have read the book. So a lot of these things, and now you're sharing with, with me that Veronica was actually in the house um which actually makes this even more dynamic so um i'm excited to start talking about this so what i would like for you to do donna is kind of give us a little background for those who unfortunately missed the very first show because they should have been there um but let's give them a little background and lead them up to to where we're going to talk about we're going to let this flow so if anybody just putting this out there if you've ordered this book which we're going to let you know how to get that you can go out on amazon and get this book um but if you have your book already, which you should, then you should be having it right next to you so we can get into it. We about to go to school, Donna, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. And uh, speaking of schools, if um, tradition uh, preparatory high schools, Dr. Brown is listening. I have to give her a shout out because I live in Florida and I live in a state where our governor is not interested in our history. Okay, at least not being told to the students. And I reached out to her school and they reached back out to me. And it started out, and I'll get into the book, but this is, I think, important because after reaching out to me and visiting the school, it started out with, well, can you do a few things for Black History Month? And my, my saying is Black History is 24-7. Okay, not one person on the face of this earth who has gone through a stoplight has not been a part of black history. Okay. Cause right. folks, in case you don't know it, a black man discovered that stoplight invented right. that. Okay. Um, so the school and I have now reached out is it, they've reached back out to me. So it's not just February, it's going to be January and maybe parts of December. So that's exciting to me. And then I have guests that's going to fly in to talk to these students. You know, Absolutely. so I'm, I'm excited about that, you know, most definitely. So if you're out there, Dr. Brown, whoop, whoop, 
Um, <laughs> thank you. And thank you. Because this is a big deal in Port St. Lucie, Florida. It's a Definitely. big deal. Definitely. It's a big deal everywhere. And I like the fact that this is what I like about Donna. So I'm just, Donna decided that she did something and she went full speed ahead. Um, so I remember when we talked and you said something about it's not just February, but she's even kicking this into this is about to be 365 days a year because it's already there. But you're already making moves. You're getting it into the schools, the conversations you've shared about this. So I'm telling you, one day we're going to do something together and we're going to show people like this is what you do when you decide that you're going to get a message out there. You're going to put it on the, the bookshelf to make other people know what's going on this is like a legacy project um and everything you're doing donna is on point so just thank you for uh following the assignment well you know what i had no blueprint and i'll be honest people out there if it wasn't for my sister dana and lisa i may not have had uh the instruction that i needed and Lisa was kind enough to give me instruction um, without me having to purchase anything or it was just from her heart. And uh, that's why I'm so in tune to iron sharpening iron, you know, and um, with that, I'm just going to go ahead and move on. Let's do it. Let's just go deep. Let's go deep. This is how we do it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we needed that song in the background. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before I start reading, and Mickey, don't say a word. Before I start reading, I need to share with the audience that I just got out the hospital and they gave me two shots of morphine. And, uh, <laughs> and so um, I'm not slurring. Um, I'm feeling okay for right now. But if I say something that's not right, y'all pull me up on this, okay? <laughs> um, because... Um, I want to be straight, okay? So before I get the reading, um, the reason why I wrote the book was because my mom had started writing about her family. She was a historian. She worked for the Anacostia Community Museum. She was the director of research. And Black history was her thing, not realizing that she lived Black history, you know? And so um, when I was in the basement with my sister, um, as my dad says, the lower level, um, cleaning it out and going through things. My mother questioned me when I came upstairs with her manuscripts. And it's like, what you have in your hands? And I told her I just wanted to read them. And uh, after reading some of the manuscripts, I was just drawn to my grandmother. My grandfather, she talked about him, you know, being in St. Thomas and and owning slaves and all this stuff, you know, I had to pause on that one when I read it, but, um, but I had to, I had to finish the story. I had to talk about my grandmother because she was a force to be reckoned with and she led from the rear. She mm. was not in the limelight. She pushed Mary McLeod Bethune, you know, here, here you go. You know, she, everyone she came in contact with, she was always behind the scenes. I wanted to bring her to the forefront, most definitely. And I am proud. I am proud to be her granddaughter. What about you, Deborah? Very proud. What about I you, Nikki? It's your great grandmother, right? Great grandmother. Okay. So, Donna, before yes. we go any further, is we have Gina here with us. Is Gina 
Eastern. Hey, hey, hey. hey guys. Hi. Hi. We wanted to make sure we introduce you. Um, Donna, you want to tell us who Gina is? Gina is um, a neighbor of mine who's gone through everything um, with us. And uh, Gina is also the sister of your future guest on the 8th. Oh, okay. Um, yes. So good. I may have sent the wrong link out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi, Gina. <laughs> well, I'll, just, I'll, just, I'll just sit and listen. But I, too, am, uh, even though I'm not a daughter, I was always amazed by your mom and the things that she knew and her um, impact um, of the community and in mm -hmm. us and so um she was always she was just a good woman and i i just admired her 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 brains of what she what she did and she was a little spicy too so thank you gina she was spicy my mother was spicy so <laughs> thank you so um okay to get back where i was where i was going i had to finish the story um my grandmother did some amazing things and uh there were things that mickey found out that deborah found we were all like what what she did this you know and uh and she was the original og you hear me she was not afraid of anyone matter of fact we were afraid of her i think at least my that's what my brother's saying the older cousins who remember her you know uh when my grandmother was still alive, she, there, there was a little, what do you call it, Deborah? Like an alcove. It was a little place where she would sit down and write. And yeah. I remember right by the window. And I remember mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, my cousin saying they were scared of her. And they were scared of her because she never smiled. Matter of fact, when I saw one, I found one picture of her smiling and it reminded me of Wednesday Adams from the Adams family. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, she smiled. <laughs> you know, but. Um, yeah, there are no smiling pictures of grandma. I know. Wow. I, when I found one, I got a little scared. You know? <laughs> and, that, and I um, hadn't seen, I had only seen one picture of her ever. And then I was on Facebook one day and looking at some pictures that were on um what's that uh the 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 camera uh was it TikTok or Flickr? Oh Flickr oh. and found a picture of some reporters, women reporters on Howard University steps and sent it to Donna and Dana and and Debbie and Debbie was the one who said yes that's her and we were all amazed because it was just like it was divine guidance or something that just led me to that picture because i was i had never seen you know like i said I've only seen one picture and it was a small picture that was up on my aunt's wall so wow well she just, I don't know why she, well, I know part of the reason why she didn't smile, which has nothing to do with this story, but my grandmother died from, um, from an infection. And that's because they had very poor dental care in, during that, during that time. Mm -hmm. And so my grandmother never had dental work done. 
And so she very seldom smiles. So when I saw that picture of her smiling, I'm like, okay, family, look, check this out. There's grandma smiling. You know, oh my gosh, she smiled. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, but she was an amazing woman. And um, I think her story is amazing. Um, and I think it needs to go out there. It needs to be either a documentary or, or a movie. And folks out there, we have written a movie script uh, for this. But to give you some background on our grandmother, um, she was born, um, I think it was, what, 1883, 1884? I can't remember right this second, but she, she was born to parents who were already educated. Mm -hmm. My great-grandfather, her father, was an architect. Uh, he was the first uh, black stained glass uh, maker for Tiffany's and Company. Um, he didn't have a problem suing folks when they uh, did him wrong, right, Mickey? He didn't have a problem doing that. Um, he also designed um, uh, uh, large buildings in the Minneapolis area, um, and he also did the same thing at Howard University. My, our, I'm sorry, our great grandmother. Our great grandmother was a pianist, right, Grandma Rosa. Yeah, which is your great-great-grandmother. Mm -hmm. And before she married him, she traveled all over the world playing the piano. So these but were educated add, people. I'm I sorry? Add to that. Mm -hmm. um, Donna's leaving out some stuff because our or her great-grandmother or great-grandfather was the first um, dean or I guess he was a dean. He started the Library of Architecture at Howard University. At Howard, yeah. Which oh, wow. Included their architecture department. So, mm -hmm. wow. And he also built five of the buildings at Tuskegee, which is the university that they were all um, educated and, and worked at before they um, got back to Howard. They, they got Amazing. It. And I have to do shout out to the Bisons because my sister uh, went to Howard and actually to Howard Law School and Ooh. We're going to be swearing. Um, she actually gets sworn in next week as a judge um, in Georgia. So way to go, Howard. I went to Spelman, so I'm still with y'all, okay? But, um, and my mother went to Howard. So yes, yeah, shout out to the Bisons. That is amazing. Um, and I like that you are sharing this because I think even the students that go there now don't even realize the history of Howard and, you know, you, with where you right. sitting at what building you in you don't you don't know what's going on so i like when people come together like this and kind of share their history because you always think history is way way back but you don't even realize how it is still standing still strong mm -hmm. and guess what so i love this thank you for sharing this i mean with everybody and yeah. share y'all share this because people need to be in the room most definitely most definitely so, so, you know, my grandparents, uh, well, my grandmother and her family, they moved to uh, Boston where she went to the Agassi school and she was the only black student there. And the headmistress, uh, Louise Baldwin, was one of two, only two in the United States of America, uh, certified like headmistress uh, of the school. And she was black. And I remember my grandmother writing um, that she used to run to go get her uh, to go get her bags or to carry her books or whatever when she got off the streetcar, you know. And after she graduated from the Agassi School and she graduated from high school at the age of 14, folks, uh, she went to Spelman. And from Spelman, 
uh, she ended up going to Atlanta University. And then after she got her teaching certificate and she graduated at 19, uh, wow. she started teaching in Kansas. It was uh, Booker T. Washington who told her she needed to get a couple of um, years, you know, under her belt to, to enable her to come back to Tuskegee and teach. And she did, and she was an English professor there. But English. the amazing part, <laughs> the amazing part is she taught there alongside her mother, father, her mother and father, and soon-to-be husband. Wow. Well, they were all there at um, at Howard. At, I'm not Howard, I'm sorry, Tuskegee. Tuskegee. And one of the things um, uh, about Tuskegee is my cousin, Deborah, Veronica Daniel Johnson. Um, <laughs> her father was born there. He was the first one of her children born there. And so uh, he was born premature. He was very, very small. And George Washington Carver was there and suggested to my grandmother after the nuns suggested that they just put him in a window and let him die because he was only like two pounds. Two pounds. Yeah, two pounds when he was born. And they didn't think the baby was going to make it. But here comes George Washington Carver to rub his limbs down with some peanut oil concentrate. How about that? <laughs> I'm going to make him an incubator out of these hot bricks and we're going to heal this child. And her daddy lived to be 66 years old. I mean, her dad was George Washington Carver's godson. They made him, you know, her dad's godfather. Wow. So yeah. the, the strange part, and I think Deborah and, and Mickey will attest to this um sorry i'm moving around so much um oh, you're fine. is the <laughs> is the fact that um we have some really deep roots in in history in 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 changing um in changing people's lives when i think of the fact that George Washington Carver knew her dad, knew Deborah's dad, knew knew my mom, knew my grandmother, and helped save his life. And and I don't think people can grasp mm -hmm. a hold of the importance of that. You know, I can say, oh, my my godfather was this, but her father's godfather was George Washington Carver. He came to the school where her father was and taught the children how to plant and taught them about agriculture. And these are things that that school, the people who were running the school, uh, when my grandparents thought they were running the school, these are things they didn't want. They didn't want the students to learn. They wanted the students to be good servants and good this and good that. And, and our history, our history there is deep. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I'm, I'm well, no, it, you know what? And it's not, any, and I, I get what you're trying to, to, to share with them. It's because the more I hear about you when I've had conversations with, with Dana and then talking to you, I mean, just within this family, um, it's just some rich, information and knowledge and history so imagine if we expanded that and more people kind of you know dug deep into their family history to see that there were people doing some amazing things mm -hmm. that led the way um because i think a lot of times um and i'll say this about young people sometimes that they don't you know history stops at a certain point for them 
Um, mm-hmm. We never really go really that deep. But this book and um, just your family history takes us way back and makes some connections. It's kind of like connecting the dots. Um, you never connected that far back or, you know, you think about the neighborhood and the schools that are named after him and things like that. And then connected to your family's history. And it's that is absolutely amazing. Um, and that's why I just keep saying people need to pay attention. History is everything. Um, the thing, the really thing is. Is there weren't so many people alive at that point in 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 history. And so mm-hmm. when you really think about it. All of us that are here today are related to those people who made those, you know, who, who made the way, way. for mm-hmm. us. It's not just the names that you heard of, because like Donna says all the time, you know, Constance wasn't in the forefront. You know, mm-hmm. she was behind the scenes and there was a lot that she did. Um, Donna's mother did a lot of research on my grandfather's side of the family and the things that I found out where their where their paths crossed, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing to me to find out that on my father's side and on my mother's side there were people who may have known each other who you know whose paths may have crossed before I was even thought about. You know, right. then other times I'm looking at both my my mom's grandparents who were working together and who would have who would have known that there would have been a, a her you know right. they came so farther you know so much farther down the line but it, it's just remarkable to me when I'm looking at all of that history and and the people who had to be introduced and the people who knew each other and who didn't know each other and those people who don't get you know who, who don't get the stamps right <laughs> you know but everybody made ways and if we all look back at who our forefathers were and who our ancestors were we can find all those people whose names didn't get printed in the history books you absolutely know? this and this is part yeah. of that journey um definitely hidden treasures i'm connected at the end of this show why i'm saying but they are definitely a lot of hidden treasures here um and don i want you to pour into because um i know you picked a chapter you want to talk about and lead us up to um actually you can lead us anywhere you want to in this book because (laughs) it's it's it's, every this book is everything whatever chapter you open it up to is going to teach you something um that you probably didn't know before so well um just to kind of fast forward um, this information was kind of tough to get um, because Mickey, Deborah, and our other cousins, nobody talked about what happened to my grand- our grandparents. Mm. I think they were so traumatized by the hurt, the lies, the pain suffered at the hands of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. They just couldn't talk about it. But my mother being a historian, you know, she would talk to me all the time and talk to us. And we really didn't want, we want to hear it, you know? <laughs> right. didn't, I mean, you're a teenager, who cares? Right, you know? right. <laughs> but now I understand. So just leading up, my grandparents left Tuskegee. They got married, left Tuskegee. And they were offered a position at Cardinal Gibbons Institute. And this was supposed to be, this was touted as the best place uh, for, for color 
students uh, to go to. It's going to be the end all and do all and be all. And when my grandmother and grandfather got there with their four children in tow, they saw a broken down farmhouse <laughs> and 200 acres of nothing. And I know my grand, I don't know if my grandmother swore, but I could just hear her say, damn, who they put us into. I'm sorry <laughs> if I offended anybody by oh, saying, no, <laughs> but, but I can, if, if, if I had the picture, there's a picture of her face that I have. And she's like this, <laughs> like what, you know? And I know she wanted to smack the priest next to her who hired them. Right. I know she, that picture that they show, she's just standing there gritting, you know, <laughs> grit. Um, Y'all look, she didn't just say the word. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, she, she, was gritting, she was gritting hard. So, so anyway, they had to deal with an all white cast. And I'm going to say at this school who did not allow them to do what they wanted to do. These were educated people who wanted to educate these students and make them more than just a dag on a um, cook or a maid or, or whatever, or a farm hand. And my grandmother made that very clear to them. She's like, look, I'm bilingual. Okay, I'm educated. These children are going to learn more than what you want, but they lie to the people in the surrounding areas to get money from them to be able to build the school. And guess who built, guess who finished building that school? My grandfather and the students, they finished building that school. Okay, it was their blood, sweat, and tears that built Cardinal Gibbons Institute. All right, and, and, People don't realize this, but behind the scenes, the white folks there were trying to make this into a, uh, not a boarding school, but like a reform school. Mm -hmm. And when I found that out, I was hotter than July because they were just faking the funk, okay? They were lying through their wooden teeth. And um, <laughs> so my grandmother and grandfather went through a lot of changes. You know, they tried to raise money for the school and everything. And fast forward, my grandfather had two nervous breakdowns. They didn't want to pay my grandfather. They never paid for the fuel that was part of his contract, which I have his contract. It's, they, they never paid for the fuel so they could have heat. And my grandmother miscarried her last child and had to bury her eight-year-old child due to them not keeping their part of the deal. Mm. But Constance, mm. girlfriend was like, okay, that's how y'all playing it? Okay. Little did they know before they left the school, she already had a job with the Afro. And girlfriend let all of her heart and everything into an article where she told them, uh-uh-uh, I'm going to tell y'all what really happened. And she put it in the Afro. She put them, what is the, ch the children call it? This is some saying. When you when you put not on point, not on fleek, but you know she she, she brought she brought it to their attention and wasn't playing. You know? Look, I get look, I get it because I'm gonna come out the same way you do because I'm seasoned. Um, so the, the kids might be like, "What in the world are they talking about?" Y'all know what we're talking about. You know what we mean. <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, um, I'm going to the last chapter, and okay. normally. People don't want to read the last chapter because they don't want you to know the ending of the story. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. Folks, she died. Okay? 
<laughs> she died. And I'm glad, look, if she's still living, she would have been 100 and I don't know, 20, 30 years old. I'm not sure. But she died. All right. But I'm going to tell you how she died because she died. I think she died doing the best she could for people she knew and people she didn't know. People didn't know that when she left the Cardinal Gibbons area, the St. Mary's County, Maryland area, people didn't know that when she went to go work for the Department of Agriculture, that she made sure they had seed, they had hogs, they had chickens, they had everything they needed to be successful because she exposed the Depart Department of Agriculture for um Black people, they were making black farmers pay poll taxes and they were excusing it with the white farmers. And she exposed them and they tried to bribe her by paying her eight grand a year more uh, in her salary to stay uh, silent. And she didn't go grandma. So with that being said, I'm going to read chapter nine. It's the end of the story. Um, now pull out your books. Pull out your books. I got my book open. I got my Nikki's right. on her I iPad. Know. <laughs> <laughs> but she got her book, right? She's <laughs> on the Kindle. So I'm going to read this. Again, you know, I'm st I am still have a lot of uh, antibiotics and, uh, and uh, residual uh, drugs in my system. So I'm going to do the best I can, okay? We got you. We got All right, you. here we go. This is chapter nine. It's not long, folks. So stay tuned. Get your popcorn. It's entitled, Well Done my good and faithful servant. After returning from Dr. Bethune's funeral, my grandmother didn't allow all that she had gone through to distract her from her mission. So she immersed herself into her writing and continued her syndicated column in the Afro-American titled Capital Close-Up until 1957. She also wrote articles and short stories for the following publications, Potomac Parade, Harper's Magazine, Ladies Home Journal, Cosmopolitan, and Good Housekeeping, to name a few. But she had her share of rejections as well. From time to time, she traveled to New York City to see her doctor and best friend from Tuskegee, Ruth Logan, but their visits were just too infrequent. However, during one of her trips, she met an author named Catherine Owens Pear, who ironically was also friends with Dr. Bethune and who admired Constance writings, given how often she had spoken highly of my grandmother's talent. As a result, Ms. Pear wanted to see more of it. For those who aren't familiar with this acclaimed author, she wrote the Helen Keller story and many other infamous books, including one about Dr. Bethune. For obvious reasons, their connection was meant to be. In a letter to grandmother Constance, Ms. Pear offered the following advice in part. Don't write the whole article. Write an outline of the idea and query around to see if a magazine is interested in that type of content. My grandmother probably thought to herself, easier said than done, and decided to submit her articles under an assumed name. It was hard enough getting work published as a woman, but as a Black woman made, um, made, the, ten, made the process 10 times harder. However, she didn't allow her race and gender to tear her from submitting her writings. She was an intense writer and very passionate about who and what she wrote about. Not only did it bring her peace knowing that she could express herself through her articles and poems, but writings also allowed her to escape from the many obstacles faced 
and would continue to face. When I first started reading her stories, her sense of humor admittedly was somewhat strange to me. But after rereading them, and of course with a dictionary in hand, as if she was teaching me new words from heaven, I began to hear her. I began to feel her. I began to embody her spirit. And just like that, I understood her. My grandmother wanted every man, woman, and child who had been repeatedly overlooked and undervalued to have a voice and to know that it mattered. From short stories to politics, she left no stone unturned. She championed causes for the oppressed and continued to fight for civil rights and racial equality alongside her close friends and fellows, educator Nanny Helen Burroughs, as well as further opportunities for women beyond the simple duties of domestic housework. While serving as assistant principal of CGI, Grandmother Constance advocated for the diverse curriculum that educated the students as opposed to just teaching them how to be domestic workers for the future. She exclaimed that their minds were far more superior than those who wanted, who wanted to continue to oppress them. Her core beliefs are what connected she and Miss Burroughs together in 1934. With iron sharpening iron, their friendship of more than 25 years stood the test of time, proving that my grandmother allowed those who were in the limelight to shine while she successfully and once again led from the rear. In December 1959, she accepted a position as an interviewer analyst with the Health and Welfare Council of the National Capital Area, working under the director, Dr. Highland Lewis. Mostly noted for spearheading, spearheading a major child-rearing study during the Lyndon B. Johnson presidency, Dr. Lewis was part of an inner circle of scholars and government officials who helped craft the president's great society policies. She truly enjoyed her position with the council, but unfortunately, her contract ended in 1961. While searching for gainful employment, she continued to write short stories and articles for Good Housekeeping, the Saturday Evening Post and Reader's Digest, despite her declining health. My grandmother found little time to do the one thing rarely afforded her, and that was spending quality time with her children and grandchildren, given that she often worked away from home, hoping to make ends meet. She rarely saw her sons, Robert, who was teaching out of the area, and John, who was enlisted in the United States Navy. However, her remaining children, Victor Christopher, Dorothea, Marguerite, William, and Louise remained in the D.C. area. Thankfully, her daughter-in-law, Veronica, Victor's wife, was always a constant help to her and ensured that her home was well cared for while she was away. That's also my cousin Deborah's mother. However, having 12 grandchildren at the time and one on the way, I wondered if she would have preferred to be elsewhere protesting about some injustices or standing before a firing squad of senators and congressmen questioning her about rights, equal rights for black people. Upon my grandfather's return home after a long separation from his family, he found his wife in poor health, but undeniably was elated to see her. Although they were used to being apart for months at a time, my grandmother, who rarely, who rarely complained about her life, had failed to display her usual feistiness that granddad was accustomed to seeing on a regular basis. She was not the same woman who had faithfully served alongside him through the good and bad times from day to day they were betrothed. 
Sadly, on June 19, 1962, at 3.45 p.m., Grandma Constance died at Providence Hospital in Washington, D.C., with her beloved Victor, Victor beside her. She was 68 years old, and her life was one well-lived in spite of the numerous obstacles she had dealt with over the years. Not once did my grandmother ever waver regarding her core beliefs and forged through lives embodying the strength of her ancestors and equipped with pen and paper and a superior mind. She had an innate ability to get her point across with a vocabulary that would have made even Merriam-Webster proud and who used it methodically as her weapon of choice. If necessary, she meticulously expressed how she felt to any and everyone who crossed her path. After her death, there wasn't a day that my grandfather didn't have her in the forefront of his mind. However, a few years later, he joined her in the heavenly realm and they were together again but this time in spirit. As I conclude this story about my remarkable grandmother, I have no doubt that everyone who reads my book will understand why the title is what it is. Constance Eleanor Hazel Daniel was truly a force to be reckoned with and her legacy lives on within me, my siblings, and all of her living descendants who shares her bloodline. Also her name and work are still relevant today. In April 2021, my sisters Dana and Victoria were watching a television documentary about Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority and were shocked when they saw the photographs of our grandmother, as well as clippings from some of her newspaper articles that had been included in the footage. It goes without saying that her labor was not in vain, and I know she's smiling from the portals of heaven with the stoic stance of hers as she continues to guide me, not from the rear, but from her heart. Looking over her life and all that she accomplished, when she transitioned from her early assignment, I know God smiled at her and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thank you. I know wow. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> that, that chapter in itself kind of brings it all that that's an excellent last chapter <laughs> excellent it brought everything together um wow i'm just letting that sink in you know when you read the book it's not a big folks it's not a big book okay look one inch maybe okay and i'm not and i'm not that big word scholar but i will tell you this with everything she with everything inside of her that she fought for and my grandfather, and she stood side by side with my grandfather. You'll find out in this book when they wanted to tear him apart, she stood up to those white folks. Okay. And I'm saying white folks like that because it was like that during that time. Yeah. Okay. She stood up to them and she wasn't scared. I've read Deborah and I don't know if I read it to you, Mickey, her 11 page letter to one of the priests. She was not scared of them. She was frustrated because only thing she wanted the children to have was an education, education. because mm -hmm. education is, you know, is the new currency out here. You have to have an education. And my mother always taught us, if you're going to be this, be the best. If you're going to be a trash man, be the best out there. You know, whatever you do, be the best. And that's all my grandmother wanted for her children and her grandchildren, I believe. Uh, because my grandmother, you know, you didn't see her out there buying this and doing that and having this. I remember, and it's in my book, that when my mama needed new shoes, 
my grandmother's choice to fix the shoes was the shredded wheat box. She would take a, she would, you know, cut out the box and trace and the, the shoe. Soul. And that would be the sole of the shoe. She would put it inside the shoe. She had nine children, eight of them survived. She had to take care of them some kind of way. And the education she had and what the Archdiocese of Baltimore did to my grandparents, I'm waiting to hear from the Pope because they deserve reparations. They didn't finish paying them and they were responsible for breaking their contract. And I guess my favorite part of this book was when they came, this lady came, this white woman came to the house, they put them out and my grandmother was like, ching, ching. <laughs> I was like, yeah, grandma. <laughs> Did you shoot her? She didn't, but she wanted to make it clear that no, she was not leaving her home. It was in the dead of winter, you know, and they're going to say, give me the keys, get out. Uh -huh. Really? Really? You know, so I, um, I'm proud of this woman and I chose this cover, this book, because all of her, all of her pictures, again, she wasn't smiling. And this, this, this is an old picture. Um, that's why it's kind of dark, but I think it made the book what it is. I like the color. Absolutely. Absolutely. It showed a softer side of her. And I often wonder, what were you thinking, Grandma? What were you thinking at the time? What were you thinking about when they lied to you and told you you had a home? And were you thinking about the food that they said they were going to provide and they didn't? You know, were you thinking about all the children who came to the school from the ages of 15 to 31? 31 year olds with no education, you know, but maybe a simple third or fourth grade education. She just wanted children to be afforded the same thing she was. And these folks made sure that they gave her the hardest time they could give her. But see, they didn't know she could sew. They didn't know she could cook. They didn't know she could plow. They didn't know that my grandfather knew how to fix the boiler. They didn't know, but she made it work. You know, <laughs> do you know that one of the people on the board tried to tell her that having a little uh, piece of cloth next to the girls' beds in the cold dormitory was ridiculous to ask for? Because seriously, concrete was the same as hardwood floors. So my grandmother said, okay, in our sewing classes, we're going to take all these pieces that she begged for from different companies. Can you give us this material? Can you give us that? And they made their own little um, rugs and things like that. You know, they didn't want to give the girls partitions in the bathroom. They said that was a luxury so they could go to the bathroom in peace. Wow. My grandma did. She found somebody with a hammer and a nail <laughs> and a piece of wood. And she made them, she made them herself. You know, or had somebody make them. So I think, you know, that woman lives in each one of us. You know, um, I can see her in Deborah. I can see her in Mickey. I can see her in my brothers. I can see her in my sisters. Oh my gosh, she would be so proud of my sister Dana. Uh, you know, your editor, she would be proud of her. You know, knowing what I wrote, she probably said, Donna, what school you go to? <laughs> You don't have to get Dana to edit this because um, you didn't do nothing with English, did you? Or you didn't pay attention. I was in math. I was in math. So um, I'm proud to be your granddaughter. What say you, Deborah and uh, Mickey? I, 
I would like to say this, Donna, I really want to thank you publicly for what you did because I didn't know that much about my grandmother, our grandmother. As I told you, when we've talked about it, they didn't talk about it. My dad didn't talk about his mom. I had no idea that she had done all of these marvelous, amazing things. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving my grandmother to me and letting me know who she was. Wow, you're welcome, cousin. Wow. That was sweet. I know she's looking over going, okay. <laughs> you know, grandma, as much as we've learned about her, you know? What about you, Mickey? Well, I just wanna, I guess, piggyback on that. Um, you know, I because there was, like you said, the manuscript from your mom. And she left that piece of the puzzle that it took you to, you know, do that extra bit to bring it to life. And I think that, that was, you know, remarkable in itself just to honor your mother. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not only honoring our great grandmother or my great grandmother mm -hmm. and and um your great grandmother because Constance's mm -hmm. mother was another fire starter. So mm -hmm. you know if you if you want to feel strength mm -hmm. and you get to find it in your ancestry, it's it's remarkable. That that saying never had more um meaning to me then, then after I did this research and, mm -hmm. and, you know, got to know my cousins, but when you know where you come from. Absolutely. That's, that's the thing. You, you can't go back. You, can't. you know, something else, Mickey, and I want people to understand this. Not everybody has a grandmother or grandfather who was friends with Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver and, and whoever back then. Because back then they weren't famous. Back then they were trying to get people educated and they were trying to better the black man and woman, children alike. And so I want people to look in their families because there are constances in their own family and they didn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the first person to do this or who discovered that, but it may be the first person who graduated from high school or the, or the first person to make it out of a country and and came to the United States and, and, and started a business. That's you right. know, everybody's family history is important, even if there's some stuff in there that's a little jinky, as they say. <laughs> okay? Because when Deborah and I, Deborah, it was my cousin Deborah here who went to St. Thomas with me, mm -hmm. you know, looking for our roots. <laughs> and uh and that's when that lady, remember the lady in the uh, in the square? The market, yeah. 99, mm -hmm. 100 years old. You want to be a Daniel slave. If you're going to be a slave, you want to be a Daniel slave. Which <laughs> means you well. I'm like, <laughs> slave, you know? And, and Deborah and I, we were all, we were in this taxi cab. We had this taxi cab driver to drive us all through St. Thomas. And we were trying to find our grandparents, our grandparents' the home. We're talking to the lady and she's selling bananas or something in the square. And I'm like, do you know where it is? And we've been looking all over and she told us to turn around. It was right behind Right us. across the street. Wow. There's a sign on it. There's a sign on the, the house. the sign was so far up on the building, you couldn't really see we it. We couldn't tell that it was, it was a historical landmark. 
you know. Well, let me say this, Donna. I I am. Um, I mean, just that one chapter um, is the power in this conversation right now, and I like the fact that, which is to me, I'm still singing your praises on how you do this. Um, you didn't just, you know, go from your memory of stuff and it, you did some serious research um, to make sure you were bringing not only accurate information, but just real down to earth, the good and the bad, the ugly, whatever you found out, it was just that that was part of this journey. And mm-hmm. you traveled and you talked with family members and this is what you do when you're really trying to put a piece of work out here that people can use and and i'm not even gonna we'll share when we come back after the commercial break but donna has been moving this book and this she just released this book um this is a this is a newbie to to amazon and it is already everywhere um and i want to thank you personally all of you all for sharing her with us um i do agree that there's you know some some consciousness out there in all of our families it's just a matter of us taking the time to discover all the things that these people did in our family because they they're done regardless of whether we find them out or not but it was part of your assignment to share this and the timing was perfect and i that's why i just encourage people to pay attention to conversations like this that will inspire you to go do the same thing um because everything you did is for our children for my family i don't have to be a part of your family to gain from what you've done here so i thank you all for allowing us to be in the room um to have this kind of discussion because i think we should have more conversations like this what i'm going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break and it's just a um just a promo to tell you about the hidden treasure awards coming up it's directly related to all the hidden treasures that donna's been talking about in her book but we're going to take this little break and then we're going to come back and find out where we can get this book and we're going to have our TikTok moment which is going to be a direct connect to everything you've been talking about um donna in this book so okay. we'll be right back all right so I am so excited about the Hidden Treasure Awards. You all, if you've been paying attention, then you already know that it's a direct connect to all the hidden treasures in all areas. You never know where there's some hidden gems in your family, your friends, um, around the corner, your neighbors. Um, so I encourage people, this event, I decided that my the magazine, which Dana, who is Donna's sister, is the um, editor of the magazine, Dove Style Magazine. Um, and we are celebrating 10 years of being online um, at DoveStyleMagazine.org. And um, we've been through some bumps and bruises along the way. We've been knocked down, but not, not knocked out. Um, and we got back up and we continued to push through. So I'm so proud of my team. We'll be celebrating 10 years by having a Hidden Treasure Awards, which is to recognize those people. And Donna will actually you all will understand why this is a connect, um, because I wanted to recognize people who sometimes are always behind the scenes, mm-hmm. sometimes never um, get recognized. Um, and I know a lot of times people do things and they say, oh, it's not for that. It's not for that. But we all want to be acknowledged in some way for the hard work that we do mm-hmm. in some 
form or another. And sometimes we don't, you know, we feel funny saying, hey, you know, I, I want a little acknowledgement of something. So my role in the Hidden Treasure Wars is to be that person, um, to shout them out. Because um, you don't have to shout yourself out. I see you. Um, so this is my way of letting some hidden treasures that I feel are in our area in Maryland. So if you're in the DMV area, please come out and celebrate these hidden treasures. But I want to just acknowledge them. And as one of them actually shared with me, give them their flowers while they're here. Mm -hmm. um, and let them know that I appreciate everything that they're doing. Um, and it's huge just because people don't see it, just because people don't understand it, mm -hmm. um, it. It doesn't mean it's not huge. Um, there's somebody out there that's paying attention. And I do believe that everybody's been given an assignment and we have to follow that assignment because somebody else is waiting on you to do what you're supposed to do so they can do what they're supposed to do. Um, and I'm going to thank these people for that. So if you're in the DMV area and you want to come out, you can go to Eventbrite and grab a ticket. Um, it's going to be entertainment. It's going to be some vending. It's going to be some food. And I can't ask people to come out and celebrate without a little bit of food in the room. Um, but we want everybody to kind of dress to impress and come out and celebrate some people who are doing some amazing things. And just to direct connect, um, Donna, I actually did. I was co-author of a book that had to do with leadership. And it's funny because um, my chapter had to do with leading um, the unseen leader was the mm -hmm. title mm -hmm. um and mm -hmm. i actually did some research on finding out some people out there who operated in that space mm -hmm. martin luther king was one of those people they list nelson mandela but there were people who you don't realize are really leading the pack but they're leading from behind because they don't have to be seen um and i just want to acknowledge those people because even though everybody doesn't see you i'm using whatever gifts i have to let you know that i see you so thank you all so much for joining us. Real quick, Donna, tell everybody where they can find this book. And okay. then we're going to have a TikTok moment that is, again, going to tie this all in. Okay, real quick. It's on Amazon. So you can go to um, Amazon and type in Constance, a force to be reckoned with. But I'm going to say this real quick. It is so important that people from every walk of life read this because I had a woman who is white, who is my neighbor, who said, why weren't we ever told this? Why wasn't black history ever taught to us? After reading my book, she blessed my heart. She wow. truly blessed my heart because she acknowledged she didn't know, but now she knows she wants to know more. And now she can share that and it can go further. Absolutely. It only takes one. And Amazon, this is one. Guys. This is one. <laughs> Amazon, go get your copy. Um, give us about a minute to do our TikTok, TikTok moment. So don't leave yet. Um, and make sure even after this broadcast to please go out and share. This is live on YouTube and Facebook. We also stream this to the podcast, Google Podcasts, um, iHeart. Um, we're on all of those platforms so you can listen to this in your car. There's no excuses to say, oh, I didn't catch it. Um, we're going to continue to share this. Donna, thank you again. Um, and we're going to go right into, before we close out, and I wanted to say before we close out, because we're going to close out with our TikTok moment, I'm going to come back and say goodnight. And this won't be the last time that you will see um, Constance, Donna, Veronica, and Mickey. You are always welcome to come back to this platform. But we need to do some more readings because you got more chapters in this book. So I'm just saying um, <laughs> that was only one, but we're going to work this. Um, but thank you again. My pleasure. Let's go. Let's do a TikTok moment.
and then we'll say goodnight. So okay. give us one minute. Don't, I know this sounds simple, but don't give up. If you go to bed with it and you wake up with it and you can't shake it, you go get a job and that dream is still in the back of your head. You, you're working for somebody else, but that dream is still in the back of your head. You're getting up every morning, five in the morning, going on somebody else's job. Let me tell you something. Honor that person that you're working for. Listen, listen, because when, you when, you, when you're faithful over someone else's, God will give you your own. So make sure you honor the person that you're working for. But at, but at the same time, don't give up. The mantra at the studio, at my studio is a place where even dreams believe. Because it, when I think about Joseph, he went through so much before he, became, he got to his promise. He was in jail. He got all these things happen to him. But, but when it got really bad and he gave up or wanted to give up, the dream reminded him that he can go on. So if it's in you and you can't shake it and you dream about it and when you want to walk away from it, you still dream. That's God telling you to keep going. And if I can tell you anything else, please keep going. There are people who, whose lives and destiny are tied into you. Just think, had you stopped? All of these people, where would we be going to worship and hear a positive message? Do you understand what I mean? So don't stop. Keep going. No matter what anybody says, you are worth it. And here's the thing about worthy. Get to worthy. Whatever you do, get to worthy. What does that mean? Understand that you are worth it. You deserve the good things. If God said it, you deserve it. And he did. His thoughts of you are pure and he wants to give you a hope. I, you, you better grab me right now because I'm getting ready to go somewhere on this thing right here. <laughs> go ahead, but, it's yours. But, but just don't give up. If I can tell you anything, don't give up. So that is our TikTok moment. Um, it was perfect for this evening. Um, and um, this has been really a powerful moment for me. Um, I, I don't know about you ladies, but this is this filled me up. Um, so, you know, thank you all for tuning in to Luncheon with Lisa. We come on live every Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. So I'm hoping you'll continue to tune in. Um, we have, thanks to Donna, we have, um, two more shows for the rest of December. And then we're going to take a holiday break ourselves because one thing I have learned over this three seasons that we've been doing this is that, um, and my team is part of the reason they have taught me that I need to have several seats sometimes. So we have incorporated some breaks into our schedule as well. Um, but this is the beginning. There are two more shows of mm -hmm. December shows that are going to really inspire, empower, yeah. and enlighten you in so many ways. So please come back the next two weeks. Um, before we take a break until February and check out our amazing guests, Donna has um, shared some wonderful people that have some amazing stories. Um, so we're looking forward to seeing you again. And Donna, again, thank you. Thank you to Veronica and Mickey for coming in thank and you. really sharing your sharing Constance with us. We appreciate you. And like I said, this won't be, this is only the first of many. Um, we got more chapters to read. So and we got more people to invite into the room. So until next Thursday, we will see you later. Have a great weekend. And I hope everybody had a wonderful holiday. I know I did. And uh, I'm wishing you the best through the weekend. So that TikTok moment was actually the encouragement to get you through the, the rest of the week into the weekend and take you in the next week. So till next time, have a good one. Bye. <laughs>